the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, hi. Welcome to uh, Back the Blue Day. Isn't that beautiful? Supporting law enforcement. What a thought. Democrats are trying to lie to you, saying, oh, yes, we've always backed the blue. No, you didn't. You're out there uh, leading the charge. Black Lives Matter. Defund the police. Every single one of you, just about. It was so fashionable. It was so cool, right? And you were so scared and intimidated. Why? Because a mob, a mob showed up, and you all gave in. Well, guess what? The people were watching. They saw everything. They saw what you did. And next week... I'd call it payback time, huh? It's payback time. Next Tuesday, election day. Uh, Joe Biden, he actually lied to he Wow, last night. Lying, extraordinary, extraordinary, even for him. But he was the one, in the heat of the moment, said, yes, absolutely, he agrees with defunding the police. Now he's yelling to the top of his lungs, fund them! Fund them! Fund them! As if it's about money, by the way. It's not. It's about legitimacy. It's about um, authority. You know, they tried to cancel their authority. Forget money. You know, police departments, for the most part, have been well-funded. Really, think about it. Before 2020, did you hear police departments like, oh, my God, they're cutting our budget? No, no, it doesn't really happen. But now they've made being a cop such a kind of a bad deal. You know, they're the bad guys, The, the, the some rabble-rousers out there. Pretty significant set. I guess I call them Democrats, liberals, take out their camera to try to catch cops making a mistake and not helping them and assuming they're the the bad guys and then they do their jobs and they're thrown into jail uh you know sometimes being a cop requires the use of force you may even have to fire your gun and that's not automatically a bad thing and this game they're playing with qualified immunity which uh, basically allows cops to be cops to do their job uh, we have inhibited them. With like, well, why get out of the car? It's like they have so much at stake. Their own freedom. You know, they already had their lives. You know, were at risk. It's funny. You know, I know a lot of people who will risk their lives for the country and for their city and their community, but they won't risk their com- careers. And I kind of understand that. I, I I do understand. I saw it all the time in the military. It actually is again, they'll jump on a grenade to save lives, but they won't say something that the boss doesn't want to hear. That's in the military. It's like, it's kind of a good and bad thing. Uh, but for the cops, they don't want to be thrown in jail. They will risk their life, but should they risk being thrown in jail? I don't think so. Look at what it's become. It's uh, the recruitment. Where are we going to get these cops from? Hey, Eric is the pi- Did you hear Eric says he's the pilot? Did you hear the pi- he's the pilot of the plane and Eric is the pilot of the plane. And you got to you got to be rooting for the pilot to land the plane. Um the problem with this pilot Eric Adams is he's uh, parting his ass off in first class. He's not flying the plane. He doesn't know how to fly a plane. He knows how to put the uniform on. He knows how to put the 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 pilot's captain hat on and he knows how to take pictures posing next to the plane with sunglasses on, but he doesn't know how to fly. Seriously, try to find, he said he's the pilot of the plane, and everybody's got to respect that. Um, Joe Biden's speech, man, oh, man, oh, man. I guess this is one of the last times I think we're going to see him because he will have to leave power. 
It's almost going to be like the UK. He'll just be in such a position where he can't govern, no credibility. Democrats will abandon him, and I think he's going to have to resign after these elections. And he's mad about it. Oh, he's mad. One last-ditch effort to cling on to power, I guess, although I do sense even something worse than that. Worse than that. Joe Biden's speech last night, did you see it? It was live, uh, 7 o'clock. And, of course, the first thing he talked about was the Pelosi attack, Paul Pelosi attack, which, oh, by the way, is still fishy as hell. Uh, here's Joe Biden uh, tying it to, Je- you know what, of course, January 6th, cut one. It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, <clears throat> where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th. So when I say, where's Matt Meany? All right, he's the, you know, uh, right, is that, where's, there he is. Is that, am I, is that the language of January 6th when I'm looking for somebody? We have a Nancy who works here. Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy O'Brien? Oh, my God, there I go again, talking about January 6th. Wow. Uh, there was so much of this. Uh, sorry, it's not going to work. And, oh, everybody now is caught on. Um, what's her name? Kathy Hochul has rendered herself unelectable. Unelectable. Uh, one gaffe after the next. Uh, she's out. She's finished. She's done. But Joe Biden a little bit more. Lying and trying to um, besmirch all of us who uh, still like MAGA, make America great again, and love Donald Trump. Cut 37. It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation over the past two years. What political violence have we seen over the past two years? Where? where? Did I miss it? Over the past two, I mean, I remember Black Lives Matter summer and all that stuff, sure. But what's he talking about? He's not talking about that. What is he talking about? Right-wing political violence? Where, where did it happen? When? By the way, nobody supports it. Who's he talking about? He's making stuff up, telling ghost stories about America. Um, let's see here. Give me the next. Uh, give me. Must, give me the next one. Lies told for power and profit. Lies of conspiracy and malice. Lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence. Wow. Lies. He's lecturing us about lies. We got to know him based on his lies. In 1987, he got caught lying. That's his claim to fame. He lies very, very easily. Next. In this moment... We have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. My fellow Americans, we're facing a defining moment, an inflection point. We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice, speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America. Who says there is? Nobody. We've already said that. He's kind of creeping me out the way he's talking. It's almost like he's planting the seeds or laying the framework for, I don't know what he's got planned, but, you know, Joe Biden thinks of himself as the guardian of democracy, that 
he may be fixing, he may be preparing to do something totally undemocratic so he can protect democracy. Is that what's going on here? It'll be an anti-democrat move in the name of protecting democracy. Bad, bad stuff. I don't trust him and neither should you. Give me another one. There's something else at stake. Democracy itself. I'm not the only one who sees it. Recent polls have shown that overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy is at risk, that our democracy is under threat. No, they don't show that. They don't show that. Polls consistently show issues like voting rights in January 6th is like at 9%. It's one of the reasons why you guys, Democrats, are losing. It's not an overwhelming majority. And forget that Quinnipiac poll. I'm talking about polls we've seen day in and day out. You know, right after I saw a poll on CNN right after the speech, it put voting rights. I don't think it was even on the list. You know, 9% of the Americans were thinking about democracy. Everybody knows that, you know, they're creating a problem where there is none. They're desperately, desperately trying to push it. That's a lie. That's a flat out lie. All right. Not overwhelming. That's again, they've been campaigning on that. It's not working and that's why they're going to lose. And he says, he says that, well, that's what he does. Cheap, cheap politician. Wow. What a disappointment, huh? America, 300 million people and this broken down guy. One more. We must vote knowing what's at stake and not just the policy of the moment, but institutions that have held us together as we've sought a more perfect union are also at stake. Don't vote on the policies of the moment. Vote on the institutions, he says. The policies of the moment, of course, he loses on. Inflation, gas prices, food prices, no border. People coming in, no control of our border, losing wars, right? This is... This is the policy of the moment. Don't vote on any of that stuff. Vote on our nonsense about protecting democracy. Next. We, the people, must decide whether the rule of law will prevail, whether we will allow the dark forces to thirst, that thirst for power, put ahead of the principles that we've long guided us. It's wild to hear him talk about the thirst for power. People, you know, dark. They have a thirst for power. When you're running for the United States Senate, when you're 29 years old, I'd say that's pretty ambitious. I'd almost say that he had a thirst for power at a very young age, right? What's he doing? Running for president all the time, vice president, president, ran for president three times. This is a, this is a guy who has a thirst for power. Takes one to no one, huh, Joe? Next. The defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. He refuses to accept the will of the people. He refuses to accept the fact that he lost. You know, if he really wanted to unify the country, he'd understand that half of America loves Trump. He wouldn't be continuing to denigrate the guy. Why? That does not make me like Joe anymore. Makes me like Trump more, actually. And the more he talks about the election not being fair, I, you know what I actually thought last night? Just hit, hit, it hit me. Maybe he's insecure about the election. You know, he doesn't, he's not sure if he really won. And that's why he's talking about it all the time. I've heard that's like a psychological thing. People do that. Next. The great irony 
about the 220 election is that it's the most attacked election in our history. And yet, and yet, there's no election in our history that we can be more certain of its results. The audacity of this man, the audacity of this man. We cannot be more certain of its results. You're insane, Joe, and you're crooked and lying. I don't know, all of all of the above. You know, they abused COVID. They changed. They took advantage. We know what they did. And I can prove to you that some of the votes were illegal, especially in Pennsylvania, especially in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, too. They corrupted a system and they used COVID as an excuse. They violated the law. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's fact. You know, however, in my own way, I was kind of ready to move on. Fine, Joe, you're the president, but you keep bringing it up. You keep, you bring up 2020 more than anybody else. You know, you, am I an election denier? I, I, fine. You want to call me that? Sure. I have real doubts and concerns about the 2020 election. That doesn't mean I'm a threat to democracy. The way you're talking this darkly hinting that you might do something to save the democracy. This, you are the threat to democracy. I don't trust them. And oh, by the way, Nancy Pelosi. Wow. Saw her get in that car yesterday. Did you see her from the garage into that SUV with guards all around? And she rushed in. It To me, it looked like her husband was just indicted. Not that he was the victim of the crime. Something is definitely up. It all stinks. Give me a moment. We'll get into that when I get back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, remember, join the Red Apple Audio Network and Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation uh, today with special guests and commentary. The Red Apple Audio Network and Ramsey Mazda back the blue. We had a great turnout today. Um, Chief Corey from the NYPD, a bunch of other law enforcement professionals and political leaders, the ones who back the blue and don't make any bones about it and didn't play any games with defunding and all that stuff. Um, hey, when Nancy Pelosi, just even before all this stuff, she was really becoming totally unhinged. Uh, the last time I remember seeing her and like noticing, okay, there's Nancy, before this was a week ago Sunday. So that's uh, five days before the whatever the hell happened in that house. And here she is, kind of frantic, erratic, weird. You know, this is uh, Nancy. And one of the reasons why, I mean, she's always weird, but she's losing it because she's about to lose power. I think that's when, you know, she realizes this is all slipping away. And uh, she's frantic. Cut 26 from the Fake the Nation show. First and foremost, good morning. Uh, it's Sunday morning, uh, 15 days or so before the election. I've been in over 20 states since uh, Congress adjourned uh, in the last month or so, and uh, I see very clearly that the ownership of the ga- ground is with us. It's about getting out the vote. Let me just say uh, that because of pe- more people working in the rest, the national de- the deficit has been cut in half from 2.8 to 1.4. Nobody said we're doing in, uh, a, a abortion rather than economy, but it's it's about both. And I can tell you that that issue is very, very uh, provocative and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, encouraging people to vote. I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about the future America's working families for the children. It's always about the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi, it's always about the children, right? Running around 20 states in the past month for the children. 
What does she do when she travels around? Does does she help any campaign? Can you imagine her, you know, listening to that gibberish and thinking, okay, yeah, I want to sign up for more of this. Uh, she hurts Democrats. She's a walking disaster. We all know it. And this, whatever the hell happened, and I don't know what happened, but I do know that there are major problems with what they have pr- publicly presented. They could clear up some of that right away, as they usually do, as they typically do. After a controversial case where there's a lot of questions, they'll put the body camera video out, at least put the 911 call out. All week long, I'm reading these stories how Paul Pelosi saved his life with his quick thinking on the phone. Well, let me hear the 911 call. You put the 911 call out for everything else, but not this. Every Remember when Tiger Woods got into that accident? Three hours later, they put the 911 call out. Cut 31, please. Tiger Woods, 911 call. Hi, go ahead. Hi, can you go with us out to an accident that actually the uh, vehicle went off the road on Hawthorne? You know what that was? (laughs) That's when Tiger Woods drove his car off the road. Authorities knew there was a great deal of interest, and they put out the 911 call in in California. This is considered public property. Um, you know who Da Baby is? Da Baby is some—I don't know who the hell he is. He's some crazy guy who does very well on YouTube, and um, occasionally he shoots people <laughs> when he shouldn't. And here is uh, Da Baby himself on the phone with 911. Cut thirty. You do. Uh, I shot him in his leg. Okay. Why did you do that? on my property. The baby says you trespass on his property, he'll shoot you in the leg. Well, anyway, uh, we heard that 911 call. Why not Paul Pelosi's? I'm waiting on it. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, hello. Uh, more to say about this Pelosi thing, but first, what do you got? I got to go to Bobby in Queens. Yes, Bobby. I can't believe he brought up 29 years old. He was supposed to be 30 for that job. He lied on the application. No, that's not actually correct. That's not correct. That is not correct. No, it's not correct. You don't have to. Look, there are a lot of reasons to not like Joe Biden. And you can even not like him because he was. What's a punk like him with no accomplishment running for the United States Senate at 29? But uh, you can run when you're 29. The Constitution says. the cutoff is 30. You gotta be 30 to take office. And he was born in late November. His birthday is sometime around Thanksgiving. So election day is early November and his birthday is uh, later in November. So he was 29 when he was elected, but he's 30 by the time he becomes a senator. Okay. Thank you. You got it, Bobby. Um, anything else you need straightened out? Uh, call, but that's a lot of reasons to not like Joe Biden, but, uh, Nope. His age is, uh, well, it's one of the reasons why I don't like him. I'm sorry, but he's, uh, you can be 80, 80, 81, 82, 83, 90. There are guys who are very, very with it. Uh, Mike Bloomberg, his mother lived to be 120. And I think he's gonna, he's gonna live a very long time as well. Uh, Joanne in Long Island, where in Long Island? Hi, Greg. I'm from your hometown of Garden City. No kidding. Can you tell me where? I live in what's called the Ivy League streets. They're like yep. Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth, yep. Yep. Cambridge. Yep, you called before once. I, I think. Did. Yeah. You have a pretty good you you really have a great memory. I, but you know, here's my observation. I do have a home health care background. I've 
I had 25 years in visiting nursing, and, you know, I had many patients with changes in their mental status, and the main thing is they have to be safe and they need um, supervision. So why hadn't Mrs. Pelosi hired a 24-hour caregiver to stay with him and, you know, make sure that he was safe and that he was taking his meals and that he had, you know, good mental... uh, um Yeah, I know. Look, he's no invalid. I mean, he's driving around, you know, he's not an invalid. People in their early 80s don't necessarily need 24-hour, seven-day-a-week constant care. Uh, But let's face it, it looks like this guy didn't want anybody around. I mean... You know, he's partying in Napa Valley when Nancy's gone. Remember the drunk driving thing? I mean, yeah, that I think he should have had a chauffeur. I don't think he necessarily wants people around. Look, who knows? I don't know what happened. Maybe it's as they say, but there are too many questions and too many weird things. And they could – do you know what I mean? First of all, I appreciate it, Joanne, but not everybody. Just because you're 82 or whatever doesn't mean you need a home health aide full time. I I fully understand that. I, but I feel I would confront her and say you should have provided somebody there, being that you can't be there all the time because you have this job that keeps you in Washington, D.C., and why don't you keep your husband? At least you'll know he's safe and he has companionship. It well, doesn't have to Companionship. Be- I have a feeling okay. he gets all kinds of companionship. I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, but, look, I think the security issue, the security, hey, you know, forget a home health aid. How about a home alarm system? You know, how can you break a window of a house like that, which, you know, at times is could be conceivably the the White House, the acting White House, you know, second in line to the presidency. Hey, by the way, again, they could clear it all up, but they ain't going to. This is Brooke Jenkins, the district attorney who's incredibly woke. She's been the D.A. for about two months, by the way. And she's up for re-election next week. You think she's going to cross Nancy Pelosi? Listen to this. Cut 27. What about the 911 call and the body cam uh, stuff? Go ahead. Is there a public interest, District Attorney, in releasing that 911 call and the body camera video to the public as well? No, you know, my job, Wolf, is to make sure that we protect the state of this uh, investigation and the successful uh, future of this prosecution. And for us, uh, revealing that evidence um, through the media is just not what we think is appropriate. We want to make sure that this individual is held accountable for these egregious acts. And so for us, we're going to make sure that we limit uh, the extra of the evidence as much as possible in order to get that done. Well, that's really weird. I mean, it's often, an, it's a given why it would clear up so much. There's something that they're keeping from us. There's something they don't want us to know. Uh, this is all suspicious. Where are the doctors? They tell me Paul Pelosi's in the hospital. Actually, they don't, actually. The media does. I'm not hearing that from official sources. You know, the police chief, I'm starting to think more and more, is caught between a, a rock and a hard place. So, Joanne, uh, look, I'm not gonna, t- I'm not gonna say that they need a home health aid there. Uh, but regardless, it's still crazy. I appreciate it. How are things in GC anyway? It's great. Beautiful day here. Yeah, it's such a beautiful town. Special place. Um, thank you. And then what else is going on here? Yeah, 911 calls. Again, it's so standard. I played you the, oh, here's one. Kevin Hart got into a car accident. Three hours later, in September of 2019, they put out the 911 tape, cut 29. Sounds like the passenger's stuck in the car. Uh, the driver is out of the car. Yeah, he looks a little hurt. 
Uh, I think the top of the car is. See? All right, so let me hear it, because this is such a critical part of the information. And oh, by the way, as Dinesh D'Souza pointed out to us yesterday, so Paul Pelosi goes into the uh, bathroom. Don't you just close the door behind you, right? You leave the door open, because according to the complaint, the guy's watching him the whole time. And he lets him call 911? He just di- dials 911, okay, you're invading, I'm going to call the cops here, you wait here and... Uh, I'll leave the door open so you can see exactly what I'm doing. Uh, that does not add up, does it? Was Paul Pelosi under the influence? It's possible. So maybe we're getting kind of a haphazard version of what happened, right? Because, look, he's been known to drink to excess. Uh, if he was drunk, that's fine. He was, you know, home. He wasn't driving around. You're allowed to do that if you want. Not a good idea, but you're allowed to do it. There's no shame in it, really. It's just not a good thing. Uh, hey, the other thing is this, and I am the only one, I think, who's picked it up. Um, and you tell me right now if you think I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. But where is that stuff where they're all saying that she is third in line to the presidency? Where is that? Oh, uh, yeah, here we go. Listen to this. Cut 35. Nancy Pelosi is third in line to the presidency. I wish the president would read his constitution. Third in line to the presidency. Pelosi would be the highest ranking U.S. official to visit Taiwan in 25 years. What's going on with Nancy Pelosi, who would be third in line? House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who's third in line for the presidency. Okay. Lots of people think that. The truth is, and I've made that mistake myself as recently as a week ago, um, but she's the second in line to the presidency. Now, I don't care what the media says. Most of the time, they're wrong. But I want you to understand this. According to the affidavit filed by the state district attorney, Brooke Jenkins, um, Mr. DePape is in there, and Pelosi says, my wife's not here. Why are you here? And DePape says, well, she is second in line to the presidency, right? And Pelosi says, yes. So DePape, we can probably assume is a nut job, right? He's crazy. He's seeing things all the time. He saw a fairy. He's just a nut job. He's uh, taking off his clothes in front of City Hall. He's here illegally. He's got all kinds of weird stuff going down. Um, his stepdaughter said he was a nut job. His wife says he's a nut job. He's a nut job. But there he is, and he knows that Nancy Pelosi is second in line. According to the affidavit, everybody else always says third in line. Now, why is it? You're probably thinking to yourself, well, there's Joe Biden, there's Kamala Harris, and then there's Nancy Pelosi, right? So she's third in line. No, it's a common mistake. She's second in line because the line starts with Kamala Harris. Okay, the line to become president starts with Kamala Harris first. She's first in line. Second in line is uh, the speaker, Nancy Pelosi. So. Why am I making this into a big deal? So in the document itself, Brooke Jenkins, in summing it all up, says this was a you know the, the terrible threat against Nancy Pelosi, the third in line to the presidency. So she makes the mistake that almost everybody else makes. But according to the affidavit, David DePate gets it right. So I don't know, and I'm just wondering... Look, I have my doubts about this case. I wonder if the words, because nobody was recording these words, right? Somebody had to write them down. 
Somebody is writing down things, perhaps giving David DePape things to say or assigning things that he said. Whoever wrote these words, if somebody wrote these words, knows a hell of a lot about politics and said correctly as very few people would. You have to, you have to be kind of unusually skilled and knowledgeable about politics to say that Nancy Pelosi is second in line, which she is. And that's what David DePape said allegedly to Paul Pelosi in the bedroom. It's right there in the state complaint. I'm wondering though, I, I, I really am. I'm sorry. Is this, uh, you know, people are like, Oh my gosh, you know, how, how can you be so unkind? I, you know, what's unkind. It's unkind when we're lied to. And we've been, we've been at least misled. We've been misled. The chief of police seems to know more than he's saying. And on Friday night, he said there was another person in that house. That there was a third person in that house. Now in this clumsy, hastily put together, first the federal by a 19-year-old, sorry, a a three-year veteran of the FBI joined in 2019, the greenest agent they could find. Uh, I'm told that uh, Paul Pelosi opened the door, according again to DePape. Now we're being told that. In other parts of the affidavit, we're being told neither. This is written to confuse, not to inform. Something's wrong here. Now, why why else would we be skeptical? After January 6th, what happened? You know, we had national televised hearings on and off for a year and a half about January 6th. And not one of them mentioned Ashley Babbitt. Not one of them mentioned her killer, Michael Byrd. And I'm supposed to accept all this stuff. It's fascinating, too. They'll say that, oh, you're you're threatening democracy. Oh, really? How? This is part of democracy. You're allowed to say things. You're allowed to think things. Especially us. When I say especially us, I say American citizens. I, I, I love it. You know, they, 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 there is a concerted effort. Uh, in the media, by the way, to portray me as a kook, as a crazy person. Oh, a conspiracy theorist, really. Let me tell you a little bit about my background. Number one, I went to a four-year private college. Number two, I went through this screening and vetting to become a Marine Corps officer. I served on active duty for nine years. I served in the reserves for 12 years. My country taught me how to fly the most complex aircraft in the U.S. inventory, the AV-8B Harrier jet, which I flew over Iraq. I had top secret clearance. Actually, no, I had secret clearance. Um, I come from a prominent law enforcement family. You may know my father served as the police commissioner for 12 years. I'm sorry, we're not hacks. We're not crazy people. And oh, by the way, I just, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm listing all those things because I'm proud of those things. But it has nothing to do with the facts. Quite frankly, if I had none of those things, if I were a high school dropout and it was just me and my opinion, I'm allowed to express it. This is America. You can't cancel us for things. What Joe Biden did last night, you know, trying to render people basically ineligible for public life if they don't accept that he got 80 million votes in 2020 what why 
why? We're allowed. We are allowed in America. You know, when Joe speaks about unity, I put this together a while back because I'm like, well, how could he, how could he have made that promise on inauguration day? My whole soul is in it to unite this country, to bring it together. Cause you know, for a long time, I was like, well, this is just a politician throwing out things. He doesn't mean it. You know, he's just making promises that he didn't mean to uh, fulfill. That's all. But it, it wasn't adequate. It wasn't an adequate explanation. It's something, it didn't sit well. And then he said, you know, I will always be straight with you. And I just would look at this from time to time. I'd sit there and I'd watch his inauguration. How could he lie like this? I realize in his own mind, it's not unity for him is one. Unity, uniform, everything is the same. One party, not two. One school of thought, not many. That's who I, that's what I think he's about. And one of the reasons why is because, well, he's an old man. He has no status. He's not considered hip or cool anymore. And all of the clout, all of the hipness, all of the buzz is about those idiot squad members. AOC, Ilan Omar. He basically said to get the nomination, he promised, he promised people like uh, Jim Clymer and, and the squad and others that I will be the most liberal president in the history of the country. Watch me. He would do anything to be accepted by, and he had to, to win the nomination to get power. It's wild. And then he accuses us of having a thirst for power. You know what I have a thirst for? Freedom. I want freedom. That's all, really. Freedom and maybe some prosperity, too. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we had that beautiful Back the Blue uh, press conference. A lot of supporters of law enforcement, including Chief Corey from the police department. And you know who was uh, eavesdropping, it seems? (laughs) Kathy Hochul was across the street with her goons just watching the whole thing. What the hell was that all about? Now, I know she has an office uh, not too far from here, a few blocks away, but she was catty-corner to the press conference uh, watching us. Why? Weird. Weird. You know, she was, she's not one to back the blue. She had her moment to back the blue in the summer of 2020, back when she was lieutenant governor, and the city and state are on fire. You know, so many people. I know some pe- I know two people. One guy I know owns a uh, hair salon totally trashed by Black Lives Matter rioters. And another uh, person I know uh, owns an ice cream parlor in Brooklyn, totally trashed by uh, Black Lives Matter racial justice warriors breaking private property. Right, great. And what did she say? Her job back then was to listen. I will listen. I will listen. I should listen because I am just, uh, ooh, my name is Kathy. Too much like, I'm I'm just going to listen. I'm not going to lead. She doesn't know how to lead. Hey, listen to this. The number of cops shot in the U.S. so far this year has jumped by more than 10% compared to 2020, more than one-third of them in ambush-style attacks. The nation's largest support group said Wednesday, largest police support group said, as of Monday, a total of 281 law enforcement officers have been shot in 2022, at least 55 of them fatally. That's from the National Fraternal Order of Police, who are pretty good. Sometimes those guys, uh, they play the Washington game as well. I'm talking about the leadership, not the cops. Remember how we started off this year? 
NYPD officers Jason Rivera and Wilbert Mora. Hey, did you? They were gunned down in Harlem. You know, that's the that's the culture. That's the cauldron that was created by the fake news. The overreaction to George Floyd. How about the two cops, by the way, who were gunned down in Newark? I'd like to know more about that. <laughs> Barely a peep. Two cops shot. Some some guy with a rifle I heard on a roof. What? What? <laughs> I hope they're going to be okay. Hey, we want to thank Man, uh, uh, Ramsey Mazda, by the way, for also joining us in backing the blue. And, uh, ooh, the hour's almost done. Who's been on hold for a long time? Uh, uh, Eric in the Bronx, yes. Yes, great. Glad you got me. Uh, I want to bring up to you Cuomo, who actually said America was never that great. No, 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 no. He said America was never actually that great. Yeah, well, same, same. Now he thinks he's the second coming of Jesus, and he's the one that signed the failed bail reform and created all these problems. And one thing people that, you know, your boss is having him on the show, but no one's asked him. If he's voting for Zeldin or kickback, Jokel, because she's a joke. And why hasn't anybody called out Maxine Waters? Because she's the one that started all of this about uh, attacking politicians that support Trump. And now because it's happening to them, well, she, you know, they're crying. And she should be called out. She should have been sued. Hey, we always, you know, look, we I've seen that famous footage. It's gone viral, you know. Got in people's faces. You've seen that. We showed it a million times. Um, Eric, I think a lot of what you're asking for is happening, though. You know, people are, uh, and there's going to be a major, major flip, major switch. When was Cuomo on this station? I didn't hear it. He's been on John Cassimatidis at five. That's fine. That's fine. Hey, look, you know how I feel about uh, Cuomo. I think uh, he really screwed up during covid I can't believe he took the five million bucks. Oh, my goodness gracious. But, but, but didn't do anything to those women. You know, that whole thing was not on the up and up, Eric. You know that, right? The other thing, you said Adams won't last two years. I hope you're right, especially with that project Veritas and banks getting a security contract. And Adams, like so many other black liberal politicians, to include Obama, they're nothing but a pure waste of black. Wow. All right, Eric, keep in touch. I got to go. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we back the blue, of course. Ramsey Mazda, thank you so much for supporting the cause Backing the blue, my goodness gracious, who'd have thought, right? Who'd have thought that that would become such a, you know, countercultural thing? We have backed the blue. It used to be everybody understood the police were the good guys, the bad guys were the bad guys. And then we started hassling the cops, just putting all of our problems on them, right? They're responsible. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, the police. They're nothing but slave catchers. All of those horrible lies that were told and told by once reputable 
institutions like the New York Times. There was one time I remember the New York Times. It wasn't news unless it was in the New York Times. Then they come up with this crazy nonsense, the 1619 Project. Oh, boy, the 16. And also we got a crazy guy as the mayor, Eric Adams. Oh, boy, an anti-cop cop. He was never a real cop. He hated the police, absolutely hated the police, joined to uh, become an irritant. That's what he said. Uh, was more interested in going to press conferences promoting himself. You know, he quit the cops to uh, run for Congress. He ran for Congress. People forget this. He ran for Congress as a Republican in the 1990s. He was just an ambitious guy, not to get things done, but to, uh, you know, be a big shot. And now he now he's a big shot, and he's always wanted to be a big shot, and he can't handle it. He doesn't know what to do. He talks like this, which is uh, is this the the thing about the pilot? Listen to this. Uh, I'm the pilot. Anyone that's wishing for the pilot to fail, they better realize they're on this plane. (laughs) We're all in this together. Right now, I'm the pilot. And we should be all praying for a safe landing. On <laughs> as we're in this plane together and not cross our things for some, something, something to happen. Pray for me because I'm got, I got to land this. <laughs> <laughs> um, pray for us actually. Uh, cause he doesn't know how to fly. That's the problem. He knows what it's, he knows how to put the pilot's hat on. He knows how to smile. He's like one of those little kids. You know, ever see those back before 9-11 when they let the kids sit in the cockpit for a little while and they give them the little toy wings and the captain would give them the hat and you'd sit down and get your picture taken? I did that once as a little kid. Uh, but no, Eric's not the pilot. He's the partier. He's back in, uh, he's back in first class partying down. Can't believe he gets to meet all these celebrities and they want to meet him because he's the mayor. He doesn't know how to fly. He has no interest in flying. Um, he loves wearing the suit. He loves being on the plane, but flying, I mean, what would he know about that? He's never studied it, never had any interest in it. He just wanted the, he wanted the perks. It's like me. I was actually a pilot for, um, how long was I a pilot? Nine years. And you know, there were guys like that. Actually, they really weren't into flying, but they loved to wear the flight suit. They loved to be at the officer's club. Not many, but some. You know, we had a nickname for them, seagulls. They would only fly if you threw rocks at them. <laughs> Just like they didn't really like flying. And some guys were scared of it. And by the way, it was a scary thing to do. So um, that this guy who just, look, it's all going to be revealed. It's all going to be exposed. Everything I feel like is in the process of being exposed. And if I run for mayor, by the way, will I be the pilot? Well, I'll be the pilot who doesn't want doesn't want a party in the back. I'll be I'll be dedicated to flying the plane, and you know what I will do and acknowledge, and need and work with. I'll need a support crew. I'll need a maintenance crew in which I'll have hydraulic specialists and avionics specialists, and I will not be able to fly without them. Do you understand? Right, and. <laughs> It won't be about the glory of the pilot. It's the it's about the team. It's about the whole damn team. This, he doesn't understand that. He can't. He's just a selfish little guy, silly little guy too. Help create um, this mess that we're in right now. He endorsed Kathy Hochul, and once again, she's spying on us. It looked like sitting on the street corner. What is she trying to get somebody in trouble? 
I bet she's trying to get somebody in trouble. Is that a political press conference? Because I think that some of the police personnel probably shouldn't be there. I think I can possibly get them in trouble. Uh, she's probably thinking about something like that. She shouldn't be doing it herself, though. A very bad look for her. Hanging around. Hey, my father, the longest-serving police commissioner in New York City history, will be here in just a little bit to talk about uh, his life of service and where we are now. Uh, people ask me a lot, you know, what was it like growing up and your dad was the police commissioner? I tell him, you know what, he wasn't the police commissioner. When I, I think the night I was born, he was um, studying for the sergeant's test. He was uh, He was studying for the sergeant's test. He was a patrolman. And uh, then he worked his way up. Imagine that, working, 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 working. No glory, just work, work, work. He enjoyed the work. He liked catching bad guys. You know, people don't acknowledge this sometimes, but uh, it's fun. You know, police work can be fun. Less fun now because we've demonized the cops. You know, how is it that we loved cop shows for all those decades? It's the most popular kind of television genre in the history of television, cop shows, where the cops are portrayed as the good guys and the bad guys are the bad guys. And suddenly, overnight, really, uh, we threw all that out. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That was corrupt, very corrupt. And the guy driving it is that crazy person in the White House. Uh, here he is lying again last night, cut 47. There's an alarming rise in the number of our people in this country condoning political violence or simply remaining silence because silence is complicity. Where are the people who are condoning political violence? Show me one. Show me one. Where? Where? But he lumps them right in with the people who are just going about their business. Silence is complicity. Joe used to say that his dad said that. You know, there's some funny videos, Joe, uh, saying his dad said this, his dad said that. Uh, Quite frankly, if his dad said all those things and was everything Joe said, his dad was a bit of a jerk, a big blowhard running up to tell Joe his honey every little piece of bad news that ever happened to him. I got fired today. I got to go upstairs and tell my eight-year-old son immediately. Uh, Cut 46, please. We must, with an overwhelming voice, stand against political violence and voter intimidation, period. Stand up and speak against it. We don't settle our differences in America with a riot, a mob, or a bullet, or a hammer. Well, actually, when it comes to the mob, the peaceful protests, right? You guys were all over it, right? Yes, we did kind of rearrange society through mob rule. Through mob rule. Cut 45. Just trying to succeed where they failed in 2020. To suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. That means denying your right to vote and deciding whether your vote even counts. Instead of waiting until an election is over, they're starting well before it. They're starting now. They've emboldened violence and intimidation of voters and election officials. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging. It's corrosive. 
And it's destructive. Maybe, maybe a guy uh, occupying the White House who didn't get all the votes they claim he got—that's damaging and corrosive. Look, he's the president. The paperwork was signed, but it's totally valid to believe that that election was compromised, just like they said about 2016, right? Oh, they did, right? The Trump won because of collusion with Russia, right? Was that damaging to America? I think it was, actually. I think it was. The problem with Joe is is he's hinting that he's going to do something really dramatic to stop to stop us. What that could be, I don't know. And it's another reason why I am very, very, very suspicious of the Paul Pelosi situation. Uh, still no briefing from the doctors. Still no 911 call. Still no body cam. Hey, and also, we haven't seen David DePape. You know, in New York, we've got something called the perp walk. And some people think it's unfair. Oh, a perp walk, you know, is innocent until proven guilty. He looks guilty when they put him in the handcuffs. Well, you know, it's a public world. It's a public society, the perp walk, the perpetrator walk. Uh, it serves a couple of purposes. Number one, you got to bring the guy from police, uh, the police station to the jail, to the court. Should we do that out of public view? I don't think so, actually. Number one, we have to make sure that the defendant is being well-treated. You know, you don't want this guy getting beat up. It inhibits, it discourages the police from mistreating these people because they're going to be seen in public. And when they're seen in public, we'll be able to tell where they beat up. Did something happen to them? And oh, by the way, what do they have to say? Sometimes they say interesting stuff. Sometimes they deny. Sometimes they admit. Sometimes they curse out the media. I think the perp walk is... Democratic. It's the kind of thing that we should have. What do they have in San Francisco? I just uh, wheeled around in corridors, unseen government corridors. I don't like that. I also didn't like the look of his lawyer. He seemed a little bit too timid and totally down with the government's agenda. Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Hello. Hi, Greg. How are you today? Excellent. I like that. So I don't know if you heard the story. There was an article written by the Washington Post just a few days ago on the first, and it told the story of how there was video footage by the Capitol Police of the incident at the Pelosi home. It was discovered hours yes. later. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with the story. What about it? So that that is another part of the reason, I think, why why President Biden came up and did that little speech, because he didn't do a press conference. He did his political thing. And he didn't want any questions, and he didn't even mention it. But I know that— Wait, he didn't mention what? He didn't mention anything about, really, the details of what happened to Mr. Pelosi in general. Well, well, last night he did. He said he got hit in the head with a hammer. The guy broke in. He talked about it last night. You're saying he should have talked about the the Capitol Police and the security camera? No, I just think this is all going to be— be part of what the American people aren't being told. Like you're saying, like there wasn't, there was, they, they could have helped that man. That's what I'm saying. They could have, if they would have been watching that footage, they could have intercepted. No, let me me just tell you something about this. This is a widely held misconception about security cameras. Okay. Now it is totally inconceivable to me that, um, that the Capitol police would be monitoring Nancy Pelosi's house 24 hours a day, seven days a week, including times when she's not there. You're not going to have some Capitol Hill police officer watch a monitor of a house 
day in and day out. That doesn't happen. That's not what the cameras are there for. The cameras are there hopefully to uh, dissuade, to discourage somebody from breaking in. Oop, I can't do this. Uh, somebody will see me on camera. That's a big part of it. And it's after the fact to review the footage. I showed a picture last night, you know, the classic image of the security guard not looking at the TV screens. That's kind right. of, that's kind of, believe it or not, that's the way it works. Uh, you, especially if you've got a lot of monitors all over the place, you don't have somebody sitting there looking at them. I know that may sound offensive. That may sound counterintuitive, but it is true. These things are right. just not monitored. You look at how many cameras there are in an office building. All right. And you, when you walk around, there's not, you would you would need hundreds of people in every office building to watch all of those all of those monitors. You you could not do it. There's no practical way to do it. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not a, it's not a thing. It's just not done in security circles in, in the right. security nothing world. Special nothing special for him in her house for for who she was. No, there should have been all. I'm just saying that there's you, the idea. I know the Capitol Police. They had the house live streamed. Whatever. The Capitol Police don't sit there watching Nancy Pelosi's house 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They they don't, especially when she's not there. When she's there, it's another story. And by the way, they don't do it from Washington, D.C. They're right there on the ground. Um, look, forget about that, though. Look, they let people in on, on January 6th, right? We saw that, right? Right? Definitely, we did. Okay. So keep that in mind when you look at this case, okay? Just keep that in mind. All right, give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So we are back, and we are backing the blue. And we are so appreciative to Arthur Picciano and his wife, Beth, uh, from the famous Ramsey Mazda, for being our title sponsor today of Back the Blue. You know, Arthur and Beth, they're the owners and operators of Ramsey Mazda on Route 17 in beautiful Bergen County, New Jersey. Um, Arthur and Beth set it up for uh, everything that we do here. Uh, they just really are awesome year after year. In fact, Beth and Arthur and Ramsey Subaru just supported and sponsored our all-day beautiful tribute for Bernard McGurk. Uh, that's the kind of people they are. They also work very hard in their community with uh, the Reed Foundation for Autism. So congratulations to them, and thank you for all the work that they do and for being our biggest supporter today. Proud sponsors of Back the Blue. And uh, my goodness gracious, the cops, they are under fire. This is a tough job. It's always been a tough job. It was always, especially I remember growing up as a kid, you know, it was very much in the air that uh, my father might not come back. He'd go to work someday and might not come back. Now, am I being overly dramatic? Uh, no. Back then, cops were being gunned down. Uh, like, we've got it bad right now, and it, the, 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 the fatalities are up, I think, 10%. Uh, back then, it was like the Iraq War, all right? There was something like 17 cops killed in one year alone in New York City. It was crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff. And right now we don't, we have learned so much since then. We have so much technology and know-how. We have the smarts. We get it. We know how to do this, but we have been prevented by a woke, crazy, leftist, liberal slash socialist regime full of airheads and evil people who want to bring and break this society. They want to bring it back to uh, the Stone Age. They want to break it all down so they can build it up again. And they're some sort of ideal image that they have, which is, believe me, not for us. Okay. Communism is not for us. One party is not for us. 
And I think that's what they're after. I really do. So New York City right now, I remember, when's the last time I felt this? It was like 1987, one time. Somebody chased me once for half a block. I was really scared. Somebody, I also had a bad situation on a subway once. But then for years and years and years, we did not have to worry about this stuff. We did not have to worry about it. And now it's everywhere. Are you riding the subway yet? I'm not. I'm not. Can't do it. Too, uh, too, too edgy down there. I'm sorry. I hope it changes. Uh, but right now, not safe. If you can afford it, hey, buy yourself a, uh, a Mazda from Ramsey Mazda and, uh, and drive there or take an Uber or a cab or whatever you got to do. The bus is better than the subway. Some folks, they have to take the subway and I understand that. And that's tough. Be careful down there. And hey, how about this? When something goes down, you know, if someone's getting beat up, I call the police, maybe try to help. Nobody wants to get hurt, but gosh, enough with the phones, all right? I've seen everything I got to see on a phone, all right? I've seen it all now. I don't want to see anything. Don't document it anymore. Just help. Please give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, once again, Ramsey Mazda, thank you. Back the Blue continues. We back the Blue today especially, but every day, of course. And for me, quite frankly, my entire life, you know, a lot of it will be in my new book. Uh, I have a book coming out. Yes, I do. It comes out in January. You can pre-order it right now, Greg Kelly's new book. It's called Justice for All, Why the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Um, Simon & Schuster publishes it. Uh, The date is January 10th. And um, in it, I talk about how we got to this moment, uh, how it was a political operation largely engineered by Barack Obama uh, to uh, dismantle trust in law enforcement so he could get, gain politically. It's really fascinating. I talk a lot about my dad and growing up as uh, his son. And, you know, by the way, you know, one of the things that's interesting, I remember talking to Bill de Blasio when he was running for mayor. And I was in total shock about what he did not know, not only about New York, but especially about the NYPD. He had no idea how many police officers there were. He did not know the racial component of the police department. Um, he thought it was 90% white. That was his guess. He was totally wrong. It's actually more than 50% non-white. It's very, very diverse. That was the case actually growing up. I remember one of the earliest memories I have uh, my dad going to work, you know, at first I didn't really know what he did. He, you know, went to work, work, work. That was the word work. And then I found out, okay, he, he caught bad guys. And then one day I saw him actually catch somebody who stole a purse. That was totally wild. And then one day I went in to work with him. I think at the time he was in special operations division. Anyway, a um, I got a ride on a motorcycle. A motorcycle cop gave me a ride on a police motorcycle. And it was like the coolest experience of my life. It was just at that point, I, and I was fascinated with motorcycles for years going forward. And by the way, the officer uh, who gave me the ride, he happened to be black. He happened to be a black guy. And why do I point that? What difference does it make? Well, it doesn't make a difference, and that kind of makes the difference. Because people in New York, people in America, you know, we know how to get along. We do. Um, but for some reason, um, and I think – very, very much political. They talked up racial division when it had been largely eradicated. You know, part of it, quite frankly, me watching, number one, I grew up in Baldwin, which was very diverse, Baldwin, Long Island. Um, 
And also little things like Sesame Street. You know, it was a diverse cast. That actually had a big impact on me. It made sense that race did not make a difference. And my two favorite characters, the two favorite people on it, as far as the human beings go, were Bob and Gordon. Uh, they were friends, Bob and Gordon. They seemed so cool. I actually liked, number one, Bob seemed like such a really nice guy, genuinely nice guy, and, and so did Gordon. But I thought Gordon was a little bit cooler because he wore a turtleneck, and I was wearing turtlenecks back then. And also, uh, Gordon sang this heartfelt song. Gordon was the black guy. Um, this heartfelt song called, uh, how did it go again? If I had a kid, I'd want him to be just like you. It was really nice. Anyway, um, we were kind of, what do we call it? Post racial. Then all of a sudden, everything's about race. And, uh, we don't, it doesn't have to be. It shouldn't be. It's just kind of there. But anyway, it's all anybody wants to get hung up on, right? And there's this uh, pressure campaign that people who are not of color are supposed to sit down and shut up. Kind of like what Kathy Hochul did during Black Lives Matter, voluntarily. There she is, the number two official in New York State. And the state is burning, right? There's chaos everywhere. And I got the quote. She said, at this moment in time, my job is to sit and listen. She was apologizing for being white. What? (laughs) Just, you know... I'm not a, I'm not proud of being white, but I'm not, not ashamed of it either. Okay. And too many people want me to be ashamed because I'm white. Nobody. I don't care what you look like, who you are. It's, it's a given. That's who you are. Nobody should be ashamed of who they are. Nobody should be really particularly proud of what they were born as, in my opinion. That's why I never really understand gay pride. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I'm proud of my, can you imagine me if I went around proud of being a heterosexual person? You know, you know, we had a character like that on Saturday Night Live. We called him Merv the Perv. Anybody remember that character? It was it was ludicrous, and that's what made it kind of funny. Back when SNL, for the most part, was was funny. What is it like being a cop right now in New York City? It's got to be well, it's different. It's different. You know, I know somebody actually uh, this past Halloween. They had their kids dress up as, guess what? New York City police officers. I got a picture. These were the cutest outfits. I, that was my go-to costume when I was growing up. And um, uh, I had a little toy gun and a holster. And I actually had a real NYPD patch. And I'd go around. I was so proud. And I, uh, for a long time, I wanted to be a cop. Anyway, I hear from the parents of these two kids that they were getting a lot of shade out there. Like somehow dressing up as a police officer was politically incorrect, maybe even insensitive at this time. At this time of racial reckoning, how dare these white children dress as police officers? What a sick moment we are in. But I do feel like there's going to be a great correction, and it's going to start on Tuesday. Uh Hey, is he on the phone? He is. Uh, the longest-serving New York City police commissioner in the history of this city, Ray Kelly, who happens to be my father. Uh, welcome back to uh, the show. How are you? Hey, great to be with you, Greg. So fine, thanks. Terrific, terrific. Hey, I was telling everybody that story about how, you remember when we went to uh, Times Square stores? I was like seven years old. Uh, Jimmy, I think, was 10, my older brother. We went to a department store. And mom went in to return something, a gift, an aircraft carrier, toy aircraft carrier. I was oblivious to what happened, but you were in the car and you witnessed something 
What did you witness? What did you remember seeing? Well, I saw a man standing by the door of Times Square stores, and this was at night. It was dark, but he would look over people uh, coming in. And, I, you know, I, I was an anti-crime at the time, and I was pretty sensitive to some of these moves. So uh, a woman uh, was walking into the store, and this individual uh, took her bag, snatched her bag, and he ran. He ran across uh, uh, Peninsula Boulevard, and uh, I drove, uh, you know, I drove over the divider, and that's what I think uh, got you, you uh, guys, uh, a little upset. Oh, wait a second. Well, let me let, let me jump in here. I mean, it, first of all, it was thrilling. We went from zero to a hundred in point five seconds. <laughs> I never saw. I never knew it was possible. And yes, we're jumping over traffic islands. And then I say, "What happened?" And you said, "I'll never forget it." Somebody did something bad, and that was like that's that's what you did for a living. You went after bad people, and it was the most thrilling thing in the world. Scary, yes, but kind of thrilling. Anyway, so there we are. We're in the car. We're chasing down this guy in a station wagon. By the way, what happened next? <laughs> well, we caught up to him, and I got out of the car. I, I did have my gun out, and uh, he turned to me. He had the bag in his hand. And he said, go ahead, shoot me. I have nothing to live for. So I said words to him, like, yeah, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> words to that effect. And uh, he dropped the bag and he, he took off. And it, as I say, it was dark. It was an empty lot. And uh, you guys were in the car. Uh, you were crying. One of you was crying because uh, you hit your mouth on the seat. And uh, there was a little blood there. So uh, obviously, I you know I didn't run after him. I went back to the store. We drove back to the store, and what was funny is your mother was in the store, and uh, the police uh, arrived, and I got in the back of the police car, which had a cage in it at the time. So I'm sitting in the back of the car, telling the police officers uh, what happened, and your mother walks out of the store, sees me. <laughs> In the police car behind the cage, you guys in the car kind of crying, <laughs> and uh, you know <laughs> what's didn't, going on here. Didn't look yeah. good. It, it all look, worked out. Well, I remember, uh, I remember this so vividly. I remember seeing your gun out. Uh, I remember that words were exchanged. I could not hear the words. Uh, I remember you telling me what he said, go ahead and shoot me, I have nothing to live for, which really struck me as like the saddest thing I'd ever heard. You know, I mean, what, wow. And also, uh, I remember the purse being like this, you know, lumpy kind of knapsack, and this guy just risked his life. I also remember being disappointed that we didn't catch the guy, but given the circumstance, I'm like, well, you know, why didn't you go after him? And I think you said, well, because you guys are here, which makes sense. You know, you could you couldn't leave us there and chase over the fence after this guy and, and, and all that stuff. But, man, right. sure. and you know, here's something else in the story. We go home and I do remember this. We stopped at Dairy Barn in Baldwin and you were done talking about it. By the time we got to Dairy Barn, you were talking about other things and. You know, for me, I don't think I stopped thinking about this for a year. I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever witnessed. And you were, you, it was, for you, it was back to business in moments. And that's because this was your business or back to business as usual. You did this every single day. Well, not exactly something like that, but I was in the 
anti-crime unit at the time, and there was a lot of crime in those days. So we were very uh, we were very busy and made a lot of arrests. But uh, it, you know, it was at the time of the times. That's what was going on. This was uh, in the 70s, or I guess the early 70s or mid-70s. Well, who'd have thunk it sure. that? I don't remember when it was. Jimmy and I, we were riding shotgun with the future police commissioner. That night, I think you were just a sergeant. You'd ultimately become the police commissioner, one of the uh, superstar police commissioners, if not the superstar police commissioner. Oh, right. No one has uh, had your record, you know, the terror attacks thwarted and crime still reduced to record lows, even after it was driven, you know, it was a real challenge to keep those numbers down. Um, and you did record, record achievements. What do you, when you look outside, when you drive around the city, when you see what we've become, how does it make you feel? And uh, how, number one, how does it make you feel? Well, I, I know that a lot of hard work was done by a lot of people, not just uh, the Bloomberg administration, uh, not the, uh, you know, just the Koch administration, that sort of thing, but a lot of people worked hard to make New York the safest big city uh, in America. As I've been saying, we've been very, we were very proud of that. We were ballyhooing that uh, everywhere. And, uh, that, you know, it was just a huge effort that looks like it has been, you know, wasted. Uh, people are uh, committing crimes now, uh, with a with a new boldness, a lot of these robberies and things are happening daytime hours, uh, which you know is, is a concern because it shows that the uh, the perpetrators are not uh, afraid of uh, being uh, being arrested. Hey, let me ask you and something. Unfortunately. Kathy Hochul the other night, and I know actually Ray Kelly has endorsed Lee Zeldin for governor. Uh, consider that, folks. Uh, he's made it official. He's endorsed Lee Zeldin. He did it uh, a couple of months ago, actually. Uh, Kathy Hochul, I've seen her now a couple of times try to say that the crime situation is a conspiracy. It's a figment of our imagination. Uh, you know, it's it's all talk. It's not really happening. I thought, number one, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, number one, I know it's happening. I mean, I, I, I found her comments to be disgusting and bizarre. Well, we know that 25 people have been pushed onto the subway tracks so far this year. We know that there's nine murders in the subway system so far uh, this year. Uh, we know that index crimes are up over 30% this year. And now uh, there's been a reduction in murder and a reduction in shootings, and that's a good thing. And <clears throat> we can talk about some of the tactics that they're using that I, I think is smart. But the rest of the crime, what I call the mugging crimes, the robberies, the <clears throat> grand larcenies from the person, grand larceny auto, uh, burglaries, they're all up and up significantly. So I, I don't know where she would get that, that it's a figment of people's imagination. Uh, you know, look at the, the, the lack of ridership on the, on the subway. They're talking their friends, they're reading the in the paper, they're watching television. They know that uh, you know vicious crimes are happening, and they're, they're voting with their feet. They're not going on the subway. It's a, 
a little over half of what it was prior to the uh, pandemic. That is kind of a silly, a silly approach. Um, and then they do this thing about the states, you know, which is uh, obviously driven by cities, major cities in these in these states. So, well, she's a uh, uh, she's a crazy lady, in my opinion. You don't have to go there, but Lee Zeldin is obviously the. You know, the wise choice here, the very clear choice, the poor guy, we got to get him elected. If he doesn't, you know, he's going to be he's going to be the victim of a crime. I mean, I'm sorry, but they came at him with his family with guns. They came after him with a fancy Chinese ninja knife. Uh, you know, what's going to happen next? We got to get this guy some security. All right. Um, True. All right. So I think he's a great candidate. He is a great guy. Great candidate. Um, number one. If you could do it all over again, would you would you be a cop? Oh yes, yes. I've had great, great experiences. Uh, just about everything that I have, or I learned. I, I learned the police department. They sent me to uh, school. I'm at the Harvard for a, a year. Um, I was sent on military leave for uh, three years. Uh, I've met all folks, uh, kings and queens even. Uh, so I've had tremendous experiences. I consider myself extremely fortunate, and I certainly would do it all over again. And, you know, a little bit we talked about it. Like when your job is catching bad guys, you know, look, it's tough work. It's dangerous. But believe it or not, at times it can be just slightly fun, can it? Well, it's exhilarating. You see somebody that you think is going to commit a crime, and uh, if they do, and perhaps there's a chase involved, and uh, you know maybe putting it on a radio or running after this this person, and uh, he's caught, uh, that's a real high. You know, it's like uh, probably what what people feel when they when they big game hunting. Only these are. Is a human being, you know, and uh, we, uh, my group in uh, preaching in the Upper East Side, one one month made seventeen observation robbery arrests, you know, which is uh, incredible. But it but it shows you it's sort of a sign of the times in those days. This is the seventies. Uh, heroin was all over. Cocaine was uh, starting to become used in uh, you know great quantity. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, it was a busy, busy time, but it was, as I say, exhilarating when somebody was, uh, you, you witnessed them commit a crime yeah. and then, you know, you apprehend them. It's, uh, it's a high. So, uh, well, we got to make sure that, uh, we don't slip all the way back to the bad old days. A big thing we can do right now, Ray Kelly's advice, vote for Lee Zeldin. Uh, Ray Kelly, Commissioner Kelly, my dad, do me a favor, say hi to mom, uh, by the <laughs> ways, and, uh, we'll talk later. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Greg. Okay. Terrific. Good stuff. Take Good care. stuff. Bye-bye. And, uh, ooh, some of you guys have been on hold for a while. I will get to that. We'll wrap up on Pelosi's situation out there in San Francisco and a quick preview of tonight's show. And, oh, by the way, everything I just talked about with my dad is all in my new book, Justice for All. Why the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Uh, you can pre-order it right now at Amazon and wherever you buy your books. Many thanks. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
do this. Sorry. Uh, thanks for listening. So, thank you, Back the Blue. What a great idea. And thank you, Ramsey Mazda. Rich in Pennsylvania, you know what happened at Pelosi's house? What? I think I do, Greg. But first of all, I get all my insight and intuitions from your show. So if I'm inaccurate, it's your fault. <laughs> all right. What happened? Now, okay. And your dad's a great guy. So. I think that there uh, I think that there were three culprits in this whole operation, not including Pelosi and uh, uh, using the three principles of Sherlock Holmes methods. You're using fact, evidence and imagination. All right. Just tell me what happened. Okay, so um, we understand that one of the security guards saw a man in a hoodie and a backpack go to the Pelosi house but didn't report it. That's because Pelosi let this guy through the front door, and the police did not say anything about this, meaning that Pelosi knew him. That was, number one, debate. Whatever Pelosi and debate were doing in that house, it transpired. And culprit number two is the one that broke the glass in the back door and entered the house. They revealed to Pelosi at that time that this was not some kind of an social or contract exchange, but it was a kidnapping. Pelosi, knowing uh, these people, said, look, you guys, I need a favor. At least let me go to the bathroom. You know me. It's all I ask. All right. They let him go. All right. Listen, listen, listen. Um, it's an interesting theory. You know, we don't have evidence at this point, but I will say this. You point out something that I noticed, but it's been overlooked. You're right about that. A security professional saw this guy with a black backpack and outfit in the area, and you say he went to the front door. That would make a lot of sense, and that's not that's that could be true. That's not denied in the uh, affidavit, right, Rich? I don't know. Yeah, no, 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 no. All right, you're on to something, folks. I gotta go. I'll see you tonight on Newsmax at ten. Uh, yeah, we, we're still looking for evidence, but I think that uh, yeah, I'm, uh, we're open minded here. Be right back. Uh, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.